the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. So I would never tell someone stay with something forever because I think you have to be there. But I think there are often, you know, things that can be done to ramp up our efforts in these places. And I think you just have to create a situation that works for you and that's consistent enough that people, after a while, all of a sudden start to realize you're there. It needs to be focused on your practice area and or how you help people or how you help them avoid challenges in the first place. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson, today's recording day. We're recording two episodes of the podcast, but I also, you won't believe it, I recorded the first ever Maximum Lawyer video, and we're going to start a YouTube channel, which I haven't even told you yet. No, you haven't, but that's good. I like it. Great. What was the video topic? Well, we closed our office yesterday for the day, and I talked about the value of having a firm retreat. And, you know, I'm a very much a quick start and not a good follow through. So the killer part of the retreat was at the end, we all sort of went over the tasks and divvied up who's doing what. Nice. And I'm assuming that your name was not on the other end of most of those tasks. Correct. Because that's the problem. I always take those things and then nothing ever happens. <laughs> I like it. I need someone like that in my life. <laughs> that's great. I'm really excited about our speaker today. Her name's Nancy Merlin. She's a legal marketing guru. She has a great blog at MerlinMarketing.com. And I met Nancy through our mutual friend, Mitch Jackson. And she just got back from giving a presentation in Virginia, right, Nance? Yes, Richmond. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks to see both of you for inviting me. I'm excited about this. So Nancy, talk a little bit about what you do. What is it that you do? And be a little more specific. Okay. I work with lawyers and their legal marketers, and I help them understand and integrate social media, social and digital media, into their existing marketing practices. So I go back many years in that I was weaned in a B2C environment with Time Warner. And so grew up in a very heavily promotional environment and then went into legal marketing in 97 and worked at a fairly decent sized law firm, which was then called Baker and Daniels, now Fagery Baker Daniels, and as their director of marketing. And I've been around when there was just, you know, what we now refer to as traditional marketing 
and was fortunate enough to be right in the middle of sort of the creation and, you know, the invention, if you'll call it, of social and digital media and loved it immediately and jumped in and immersed myself. So I I now have the, the benefit and I have the pleasure of being able to help firms and lawyers integrate social and digital into their traditional marketing practices or not if they're not doing any traditional marketing practices. I just happen to have, I mean, I'm a marketing strategist overall and can help a firm with their entire marketing strategy, but I have the added pleasure of understanding social and digital to a, you know, at a pretty deep level. So I'm able to help a lot of firms in that respect. Nancy, that's great. So let me ask you this. I always love to hear about old school marketing techniques. I want you to think back before the internet. What kind of messaging or tasks or projects or topics were you, what was sort of hot back in the day and what were, what were your clients sort of focused on? Well, you know, since we didn't have social and digital, it was very much relation. I mean, it still is relationship based, of course. It's just the tools are and the platforms are different, but it was much more. I mean, it was a slower process, I think, and in that lawyers only have so much time on their hands to meet with the people they want to do business with face to face. And you can only shake hands with so many people in a day's, you know, in a day's time or a year's time. So, you know, it was very much relationship based. So that means, you know, getting out and, and pressing the flesh, if you will, and seeing as many people meeting with them, meeting with referral sources, meeting with, you know, other influencers. What was always really big was getting stories placed in local and national trade publications and the dependence on others telling our stories for us, which is so different from what we have today. Thank heavens. And, you know, we spent a lot of time, the people that we had responsible for community affairs spent a lot of time in media relations, trying to get our attorneys quoted in stories that were being told. And, you know, the big frustration was always they didn't care to really necessarily give the firm or the lawyer any, you know, publicity or promotion. As they told us, that's not our job. It's our job to tell the story. So, you know, it was things like that, you know, getting getting out and actually meeting people face to face or talking to them. And again, media relations, getting stories placed was really big. We also had, I don't know, I, I can't even remember the number, maybe 18 or so paper newsletters, you know, one for each practice area. And the interesting thing about that is, and we used to, <laughs> we used to have discussions about how those should be sent, you know, those you know, well, we need to put it in a nice envelope and we need to do a mail merge. I said, no, we no envelopes because if this thing goes straight in the mail, I want people to at least have seen the big, you know, the huge headline on it on the outside that says what the practice area is so that on its way to the trash can, if unfortunately it ends up there, they at least have a reminder that we do real estate law or whatever it might be, estate planning or insurance defense, so that they would then remember the firm when they might need us. So just very, you know, tools that aren't necessarily bad today or wrong. Just It's just that we have so many tools that can amplify what we do. And I think we, and when I say we, I just mean lawyers, legal marketers, and consultants like me, we have so many more tools that can complement and speed up and take control of our messaging, which is really nice. We don't have to wait on reporters anymore to tell our story. We get to tell our stories ourselves. 
Nancy, so whenever it comes to telling your story, social media was a real disruptor. I mean, I think it really changed marketing in general, especially legal marketing. Is there something else coming? Is there is there another, I guess, disruptor in the market that you see in the next 10, 20, 30 years that that you've maybe identified? Or is social media going to be it for the foreseeable future? I don't think it'll be it. I think... I think we're broadening, I'm broadening that term. You know, usually when I say social media now, I say social and digital. There was a time when I just said social media because that was it. You know, that was the big thing. And the tools, you know, we began to be confronted with more tools. And, you know, when you talk about audio and video, those aren't necessarily social media or email. Those aren't social, but those are, you know, those can fall into the digital category. And I think digital media will be really important for a long time to come. And we'll just see the tools and the ways to measure things and the ways the ways to automate, the ways to communicate. I think we will continue to see the sophistication of all of these tools increase. I think voice needs to be paid attention to. I, voice and video definitely are on my horizon. And I talk to firms and my clients a lot about voice and video. I think they are both extremely important plays. Jim mentioned the presentation I made last week in Richmond on content. Well, I spent some time toward the end. This is, you know, a component of content marketing. But I said, you know, we have to spend some time, just a little bit of time talking about voice today because um, it's changing. It's changing a lot. It's changing the way our websites have to be structured because people you know, instead of, you know, everybody's complaining because everybody's heads are down in their devices. And what's interesting is that heads are not necessarily always down anymore. They're up and we're talking into our devices and we're, we're having conversations with them. And instead of, you know, short tail searches, you know, if you and I type into one of our browsers, you know, legal marketing consultant, you know, somebody might have just typed a short tail search like that in before. And now what they're doing is they're either holding up their phone or their Alexa device or whatever that Google Home, whatever it might be. And they're they're speaking longer form. Um, Alexa, I need the name of a legal marketing consultant that talks about Alexa flash briefings. And stuff that we don't want to type in, we don't want to take the time to type that in necessarily, but people are talking into their devices and they're asking long tail search queries like that. And so what happens is that all of the search assistants, no matter what those are, and we, there are so many of them, you know, from Siri to, to Alexa, to Cortana, to Bixby on Samsung, they're going out and they're looking for answers to these long tail queries. And so what that means is that your website, my website needs to be responsive to the questions, the longer form questions that we suspect people might be out there asking. And we need to make sure that those questions are present on our website and then brief answers because that's what could be delivered to those people who are talking into these devices, asking questions. So voice has um, two implications. It has that implication for our websites. And then the other is, you know, we've talked about so much and that's Alexa flash briefings and or not just Alexa flash briefings. Everybody, each device will have its own eventually. But mine, I you know, happen to produce one for Amazon's Alexa. And I believe we will begin to see more content produced that will be discoverable and playable on these devices because 
people are getting really spoiled. I'm getting really spoiled by not having to type anything and just speak and ask for content. So what I want my clients to be prepared for is content. And, you know, this podcast is an example of voice marketing. I want my clients to be prepared for when this really picks up even more steam. I mean, podcasts are already picking up a lot of steam compared to years past and people are more accepting of them and spending more time with podcasts. But I think it will take various shapes and forms. So I think voice and video continue to be two areas that I would definitely stress we pay attention to in the legal profession. I'd love to hear that news about long tail search. I'm a big believer in long tail search. That's why I shoot these crazy videos so that there's one about each and every question that people ask. I also yes. think that, you know, a lot of people poo poo, you know, short content on websites. And I get that. But I think that every time the algorithm switches, that, that deep content on sort of smaller details is really how people are finding us. It's not by typing in PI lawyer or immigration lawyer. That's not what they're doing. They just want their answer to their question. Exactly. And as much as, you know, we can, we can either create content for Google and that's important because Google's delivering our content to people. But we also, you know, some people, we always have to keep in mind that not everybody has the patience to make it through our long form content. So great. Google serves my, you know, 3000 word blog post on LinkedIn to people searching for somebody who helps lawyers with LinkedIn, but do you read it once you get to it? And, you know, no, I mean, people, it is rare that somebody will spend time reading a dozen of those a day because you just don't have time. They'll skim through it and maybe take the most important points. And so I think there is a lot of merit to producing short form content. I took my Alexa flash briefings and just repurposed them as podcasts recently because I understand that, you know, it's early days for Alexa flash briefings and not a lot of lawyers and legal marketers are camping out on Amazon looking for Alexa flash briefings. And so I repurposed them and, and they're all captioned. And so they're all sitting out on everybody's favorite podcast player. But as a podcast, they're really short. I mean, they're four to eight minutes. And I'm okay with that because I know I tend towards shorter content these days because I have a lot that I want to consume. And I don't think I'm that different. I was going to say odd, but you would have jumped in and said, yeah, you are odd. I don't think I'm that different from a lot of human beings and that we're trying to get through content very quickly. Nancy, I want to talk a little bit more about just the voice search. I want to go back to that for a second because, I mean, everyone keeps talking about it, saying it's the next big thing. It's something that I'm confused by is whenever I ask Alexa a question, Alexa usually responds with the, with an answer and it's in her voice it's not in you know your voice, voice Nancy. It wouldn't be in my voice. Is it going to be if we if we were answering questions, let's say on Alexa, does it does it allow us to use our own voice in answering those questions? And then also, where's that voice search headed? And then how can attorneys get involved in that? And and as I'm talking, Alexa just responded. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that, but because I keep using her name, <laughs> so lots of questions in there. But maybe if you could address a couple of them. That's a good question. And so much of it is, you know, prognostication. And that's great because these are such early days and it's the wild, wild west of voice, if you will. We used to say that about social media and it wasn't that long ago, right? To this point, no, they won't deliver. Those devices will not deliver 
search results in our voices. I I think what you've just stated is probably a really good guess of what we will see in the future. And, you know, why not? I think what's important to Google and the other search engines is some sort of parity and some sort of level playing field. So for them to use their own you know, the term assistant, you know, Siri, Alexa, and the others to use their own assistant's voice is probably pretty important right now because it's not necessarily changing anything or favoring anything or worrying that it's not delivering a good audio experience to people. So I think there's some quality control that's built into all of that, but I sure wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, what I usually tell people is think of the wildest thing you can, the wildest technical development and it's probably going to happen. And so I wouldn't be surprised at all, Tyson, if we see something like that happen at all, that our results will be delivered will be delivered that way. And then the second part of your question was how should lawyers take advantage of that? I think getting into audio and preparing and producing content in an audio format, and it's really one of the easiest formats to dive into because the tools are really very simple, they're inexpensive, and we don't have to go on video, and or lawyers don't have to go on video. And sometimes that's an easier entry point than video because it's really easy for me to pull my mic down on my arm here and just start recording. You know, I, I, I open up Audacity, I can start recording. And then the hard part comes in in having the time and the resources to, you know, as you know, edit out the little parts that we don't want in it. And then I repurpose. I'm big into repurposing content. So I spend a lot of time and as a solo, it takes a lot of time to do this, but I repurpose them and turn them into waveform videos that I then place on, you know, Jim said he just started a a YouTube channel, which is great. And I'm excited about that. And I have a playlist on my YouTube channel for all my Alexa flash briefings. And those are waveform videos. I place them on LinkedIn, I place them on my Facebook page, I put a one minute snippet of them on Instagram. So I think there are so many things we can do with our content, I can also, you know, turn them into blog posts. There's so much we can do with our content. I think it's just getting started and making sure that it's focused and consistent on what it is we do for a living and what your practice areas are so that people have no question in their mind what it is you do and how you help people. It's tempting sometimes to produce content on topics that we feel passionately about. And I think that's good. And I think that's okay to pepper those in. But I always recommend to my clients, let's make sure we don't confuse our clients and potential clients about what we do. Let's make sure that we produce the majority of your content specifically about what you do and how you can help people. So I think it's just getting started, you know, getting a plan, put it down on one sheet of paper or in your head, whatever it takes to get started the quickest and just start, have a plan, have a plan for voice and video both. And, you know, I think we will, you will then be responsive to these voice changes that we're seeing come down the pike. Nancy, getting onto Alexa and the flash briefings themselves, you know, listeners of this show know that I'm a, a quick start and I sort of jump into things, get all excited. And then I sort of lack the follow through. That's one of the great things about having Tyson on the podcast is he makes me consistent on um, yeah. putting out an episode every week. And I'm just wondering what kind of feedback have you received 
from your flash briefings? Have you really seen much of a return on investment? No, I haven't yet. But I'll tell you, there's, a, I think, a little bit of a longer discussion around that. And it's twofold. The reason I, well, a couple reasons. I produce them, number one, because I really enjoy the medium. And I think it's, I think it's one of the most interesting tools that we've seen come along in a long time. And I love the idea that potentially when someone goes onto Amazon and does a search for legal marketing or lawyer marketing or whatever, that my flash briefing, if they scroll down, is actually is there. And it can be found on Amazon, one of the greatest search engines in the world. And so that to me is a reason to commit. The other thing that I know is that as I mentioned, these are early days and my clients aren't necessarily just sitting around waiting for their next Alexa flash briefing. Some of them don't even know what that is. And that's okay. It's not like they should. It's early. And which is why I just repurposed it as a podcast, because I can place that content in front of the people I want to hear it in other ways so that it is still consumed. Um, But in the meantime, I'm learning and have learned a tool that I think is or could have some potential. So the return, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm anywhere near the return, you know, based on the amount of time and resources I've put into it and everything that I do to repurpose it. Now, the feedback that I've had from those people who have, and I market it, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm a marketer at heart, so I'm not afraid to market, I always say, you know, to my clients, you have to market your marketing. And so I'm not afraid at all of getting it out there in front of people and doing that in several different places. And when I do, I usually see my numbers spike a bit. And the people who find it are usually, you know, I usually get a, wow, that's really, these are neat. I didn't even know these existed. And so it's I've gained the respect of a few people that I really treasure and whom I respect. You know, Mitch had me write the chapter, one of my two chapters in his new social media book is on voice and voice marketing. And so I had the pleasure of writing that chapter for him. There's another, I have another good friend in legal marketing, Mark Green, who is into artificial intelligence and the implications for law firms. And, you know, Mark and I can geek out on that stuff a lot. And when he discovered Actually, I didn't even he didn't even see anything that I promoted. He all of a sudden one day he posted in a large group of about 2000 legal marketers on Facebook that he and I are both active in. And he said, so here I am today messing around with my Amazon Alexa and I tripped upon Nancy Merlin's flash briefing. You guys have to see this. So all of a sudden somebody else promoted what I was doing for me. And I think it's a slow, it's like a slow burn. It's a process where the, you know, I start to get, you know, you start to get a reputation for playing in innovative spaces and being able to help people in those spaces. And it takes a while, but then people start to talk. And I think that translation is there for lawyers too, in that, and I'm not suggesting jump into every tool And use it just because it's there and it's innovative. And wow, that's a lot of fun to do because at some point there's just, there's not enough time and you only have so much time in a day to do everything that you have to do, including the practice of law and, you know, working with your clients and marketing. So 
So I think there, you know, that's why I'm a big proponent of strategic marketing and business plans, because it then leads you to some of these tools or not. So I would never tell someone stay with something forever, because I think you have to be there. But I think there are often, you know, things that can be done to ramp up our efforts in these places. And do I produce one every day, which is what, you know, and it's funny to even say this, there are already people who consider themselves or who are calling themselves experts in this space in these Alexa flash briefings. And that's okay. That happens with every new tool. And they're saying, oh, you have to produce one every day. And it has, you know, no more than two minutes. And this is the way to do it. And I'm sorry, but you know what? I, I'm not going to do that. I don't, I can't do that because the editing process and repurposing takes forever. I can't do that. Now I'm finding, I'm going to find ways to streamline my process so that it happens more than once a week. But I think you just have to create a situation that works for you and that's consistent enough that people after a while, all of a sudden start to realize you're there. I mean, it takes so many, we've all read these statistics. It takes so many touches for somebody to even realize we exist. And I think this is one of those times that it needs to be focused on your practice area and or how you help people or how you help them avoid challenges in the first place. So Nancy, a question that Jim or I usually ask in the podcast or sometimes ask in the podcast is, what would your advice be to a lawyer that's just starting their firm at a law school or something like that? I'm actually going to give you a little variation of that question. Okay. Um, it's because of your experience with, with digital and social and all that kind of stuff. So let's say if someone comes into your office, the, the lawyer is 55 years old and their partnership just broke up and they're, they're not in social at all. They're not in digital at all. They've not, never done marketing really. What is your advice to them to get started as quickly as possible? Well, what I would recommend that person do, and I do often is we need to write your marketing plan. Let's sit down and we need to talk about, you need to get really focused because I don't want you to spend, what I don't want our lawyers to spend a lot of time wasted and money and resources wasted on doing things that lead to nowhere. So I think it's important to start with a strategic marketing plan. And let's talk about, you know, what it is you do, what it is you want to do, who do you serve? I mean, it's the whole process of creating a plan. Who do you serve? What are the messages you want those people to know about you? All right, let's talk about where those people spend time. Okay, now let's come up with the strategies and the tactics to how we're going to find that will help us define you know, how we find those people and how we're going to send those messages that we just defined. And usually in the tactics part of it is where I'll get down into, all right, these are the things that I recommend you start with. And this is probably for your situation going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. And, you know, but if the lawyer hasn't, if a lawyer hasn't spent time doing, you know, going through that planning process to figure out exactly what it is he or she wants to do and very specifically what he or she wants to do, what kind of clients. And even it's often possible to say by name, you know, and it's hard in some practices, but in others it might be, all right, well, we can specifically say this category of people or this specific referral source is important to me or this journalist would really, really make a difference in my practice or this blogger. If that bl- if this blogger used me as a reference every now and then, this could open up my practice. So I think if it, it we have to be strategic in the beginning and create that plan so that then 
all of these tactics, whether, you know, social, digital, traditional, whatever it might be, those then fall out of that plan. So I would tell that attorney, you know, we need to spend some time first creating your plan so that there are no random acts of marketing. So Nancy, where do you get your energy? What's your favorite part of advising lawyers? Where do you find your greatest strengths? That's a great question. I'm a communicator and a connector at heart. So I get most excited when, like, we'll, I, and I will tell you quite honestly, I will hang up from this call today and I will be extremely full of energy because I will be very excited that we had this conversation because, number one, I got to talk about things that I'm passionate about. And number two, I got to connect with two people I have respect for and whom I've had some contact with online, but also now we've taken it to another level. And those sorts of things give me energy. I feed off of the ability to not only talk about what I do, but then to plug in why that even makes a difference. I mean, it's one thing to be excited about certain things that you do, but, but if they don't, if they lead nowhere, you don't, they don't, you know, have an impact or they don't help other people. And I'm specifically talking about in our work, then we always question, you know, what is it, you know, am I really doing everything I can be doing? So when I can work with, and I do a lot of virtual one-on-ones too, when I work with my clients and we actually make progress on something, or I watch this look on their face that's like, oh, yeah, I get that. Or I just tried that and it didn't, you know, it didn't hurt. It didn't kill me. And it was actually kind of fun. Then that really makes me happy. But I, you know, I think it's the, even though I have a tiny bit of introvert in me, I think I have a lot of extrovert in me. And so my, the times when I'm able to actually be with lawyers and legal marketers and, you know, help them, what I would say is I like to make the complex simple. And when I can make the complex simple for my clients, then I'm a pretty happy person. All right, Nance, for my last question, I was on your website and I noticed that you use a tool called Push Crew. And that's something I've been thinking about adding to our website. And I'm wondering if you could talk to our listeners about Push Crew and, and what it's for. Yeah, it's interesting. And I will tell you, I'm in, I would consider it still a trial phase so that I can so that I can evaluate it. It has, and I will, before I, so that I remember this, the other, I think there is an alternative that's called subscriber.com. And when they got, they were, how smart were they to get that URL way back when? And I believe they both do the same thing. But Push Crew is an automatic, you know, when somebody comes to my website, a little pop-up comes up and, and I don't remember the exact wording, but it's, you know, it basically asks permission to send a push notification once new content is produced. So it's different than getting somebody onto an email list, which, you know, that's over there on the side if they happen to notice it to sign up for, you know, blog posts. But this one is a small pop-up that comes up and it keeps their email address. And then after somebody puts in their email address, then a little thank you comes up after that. And Push Crew has a free version where you can get started. And I think it has up to so many subscribers, so many email addresses. And what happens then at, with every blog post that I create, or, you know, if I, even if I put a podcast episode in as a blog post, it would do the same or a video, then it would actually send a little pop-up notification to anybody who 
put their email address in and it would let them know that I have new content. And again, I would say I'm in the testing phase of it. I've had it up for, I don't know, about six months or so. And I think I like it, but I'm also being very cautious because I don't like to inundate people with too much flashy stuff that pops up in their face. So, you know, I think I will continue to use it. And I definitely, you know, I think it's worth a try to see what happens and if people are responsive to it. But I know I will, from personal experience, and this is why I started to use it, I was confronted by that on some websites of some people I respect. And I've signed up, there are maybe about five people who have those on their website whose content I love. And I get a little push notification that just gently comes up in the on the side of my monitor and lets me know when they've produced a new blog post. And very often, I then click on that and it takes me right to that blog post. So, you know, I definitely think it has merit. And it's more of a gentle, it's not as in your, it's not an in your face pop up. I would say it's more of a gentle, a softer pop up. I love it, Nancy. I think we could, Jim and I could probably pick your brain all day, but unfortunately we can't do that. So I am going to wrap things up. So before I do, I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, get involved there. There's lots of people interacting every single day, asking lots of questions, giving their advice, giving tips like Nancy just gave. So make sure you get involved there. Also, if you don't mind, give us a five-star review on iTunes so you can find us and so you can spread the word or wherever else you get your, your podcast. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? So I've done this before, but I haven't done it in a while. And that is I made a fake email address. So we wanted to practice working through all of our software and checking our system since we've made so many switches lately that I created an email address and I named it Richard Todd 14 at gmail.com because Richard Todd was my favorite quarterback when I was a kid for the Jets. So we subscribe him to all of our emails. We run him through our campaign so that we can see on the back end what it looks like from the client's perspective to get content from us. And I think it's it's good to, to see it. It's different than sending a draft to yourself because when you log in and look at it, it's just, it's just a different experience. That's actually really, really good advice. Uh, that's it. a great idea. That's that's awesome. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. I love that. All right. So Nancy, we, I don't know if Jim told you, but we have our guests do a tip or a hack of the week. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you if you've got a tip or a hack for our audience. I sure do. Yeah, I've been listening. So I was perfect. I was forewarned and I, I started thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I could go into way too much, too many of them. I would recommend that you spend some time with the headliner app. I don't know if either of you have done that, but you can find it at make.headliner.app. And it is the tool that I use to, I download all my audio and it and a gra- my graphic for my Alexa flash briefing, and it turns it into a waveform video. And it will either turn on or turn off captions if you want it captioned as well. And I think captioning is really important these days too. Um, you'll have to edit it and clean it up a little bit, the captioning, because they don't, they don't get everything right, um, but it's machines, so we can't expect them to do everything perfectly. But I would definitely spend some time with Headliner. That's a really good one. Fantastic. Well, Jimmy and I are going to check that out. It's a really good one. Yeah, let All me right, know if so- you need any help. Oh, I, I probably will. <laughs> I'll, I'll reach out to well, you. Yeah. Uh, all right. So my tip of the week comes from uh, Jim Hart, a buddy of mine, and it was it, he, it was seconded by Jay Ruane, and it's it's for iPhone users. It's the Siri Shortcuts app. So 
Ryan McKean has been talking about creating all these dang shortcuts for, for months now. And I'm trying to figure out how he's doing it. He must be using the Siri shortcuts app. So it, you can create simple push notifications via text message. You can create as many Siri shortcuts as you want. It's really freaking awesome. So one of the ones I created was is I created a text to my wife whenever I leave the office so she knows what, what time I'll be home. It actually sends the ETA and all that kind of stuff. I, like small little cool things like that. And I think there's a variety of uses that we can come up with. So the Siri Shortcuts app. So thank you, Jim Hart, Jay Ruane, and then Ryan McKean, which I'm assuming is using it. So, all right, Nancy, we're going to have to wrap things up. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great episode and a lot of wonderful information. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks to both of you. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Tyson. Have a good week. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.